Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you for another hour. Zubin Mahente in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. ESPN Sports Center in his regular spot. Time to talk to our friend John Bowenkamp. He'll be on a bird headed to San Diego to cover the Holiday Bowl. Sports Illustrated, the Maven, and the Owl, the Wise Owl. He the joins owl, us. Yes. <laughs> how are you, John? Compliments of the season. Trenton, Ken, and Des Moines. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, and uh, glad you're headed out to San Diego. It was so strange yeah. not to have you at Big Ten Media Days for yeah. football-wise this year, and I glad know. glad that uh, that wrong will be righted going forward, John. Hey, listen. Exactly. Absolutely. Busy day yesterday, but you know where I want to start before yeah. we get into the Hawks, just because of where you're based and what you've done in the past covering minor league baseball. This story I don't think is getting maybe the attention it deserves. I get it's uh-huh. football season, etc., but this is um, this got some ramifications for a whole bunch of small towns across this wonderful country. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at Major League Baseball wanting to get rid of 42 affiliates. And if you notice, they're in a lot of small markets. And, and it, you know, it's bad for the game. They can sit there and they can point to this and they can point to that. They've put, Major League Baseball has put themselves in this own mess. They're the ones who have, who have not paid players over the years at the minor league level. They're the ones who, who could have been doing this a long time ago. Um, you know, and now they're coming back to cut costs in an, in, you know, in a billion, in an industry of billions of dollars, you know, where you're going to cut a few million in expenses. Um, it, it, and it's going to hurt the game. I mean, bottom line is, I mean, you're taking away baseball at, at, at the, the smaller levels, you know, for people that want to come out and see. You know, I, I go back to the Burlington here and the connection they had with the Royals, you know, back, you know, that 2014-2015 World Series team, a lot of those players mm-hmm. came through here. And that was a big deal for this community and a big deal for the fan base out there. And it still is. I mean, you go every year to the winter, they have a winter banquet, and they auction off old stuff, you know, memorabilia from those players, even though they're not affiliated with the Royals, and people buy it because there's a connection there. And so... Major League Baseball doesn't get that. And so they've really kind of declared war on the, on the minor leagues, and, and they're almost, you know, holding, you know, they're almost, you know, threatening the entire, I mean, they have threatened the entire minor league, saying, look, either you guys approve of this or we'll just do without all of it. And so it's a, it's a bad deal right now. And it's, it, it feels a lot like this happened back in 1990, and they tried to do the same thing then. And, and I mean, you're talking about, you know, 30 years later. It's it's happening again. Certainly a, a scary time right now for a lot of those cities and, and what's happening there, including your hometown there of Burlington. We'll be keeping an eye on that. John, let's get into the Hawkeyes and the news that comes out late yesterday afternoon. It's something when you and I spoke a week ago, we alluded to the fact that it felt like this was inevitable after the Iowa State game. Jordan Bohannon shutting it down. We get the official rundown from the University of Iowa yesterday. Your thoughts on that, Bohannon 
gutting it out this season, knowing he needs to have another surgery, uh, maybe even raises Jordan Bohannon, who is already very high, I think, in, uh, in the Hawkeye lore, even to another level, what he gutted it through this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way he bite. I mean, he and he talked about this, you know, more than once during the season that he was in a lot of pain, and you can tell by watching him play that that he was just. I mean, this was he was just as you said, trying to just gut it out and give give them twenty twenty five minutes a night and and give them whatever he could. And I think you know the way he talked after last Thursday's game, I thought, well, maybe he's going to try to do this where he sits maybe the next three or four weeks when they only have a couple of games, you know, between now and, and Big Ten play and, and tries to rest to see how it plays, you know, see how he feels. But then, you know, yesterday they announced he's going to have a surgery tomorrow, I believe, or Thursday. And so you, it makes sense for him because that allows him to have the, the Christmas break to get, to get, you know, to get healed up after that. And then that way he'll be able to get back into classes and all that for, for that next semester. But, um, you know, it didn't surprise me any. I mean, you, you know, we you kind of had that feeling after last Thursday's game that that was it, and um, you know, so they have to move on without him. And I think they've been planning for it. I think I, I don't think they were surprised either, and I think everybody knew what was going on. So I, I don't think this was much of a surprise to anybody. Uh, and you look at uh, Gars has been one of the stories. Clearly, the Bohannon, you know, his shutting it down might be the story so far of the year. But Garza, the numbers that he's putting up. And C.J. Frederick, I mean, Garza gets all the the pub, and understandably so, but C.J. Frederick's kind of, I mean, I don't think anybody, we, we had expectations, but I don't think anybody thought that we saw a kid that's going to come in here and right away average, what's he averaging, 27, 28 minutes a night, whatever it is, that he, mm-hmm. double digits in scoring. Thought maybe he had some potential there, but boy, oh boy, he has exceeded it in his first two months of his career. He's a, he's a hard-nosed kid, you know, and I mean, it's the way he plays. It's the way he plays defense. It, you know, he's a great shooter. You know, everybody raved about him. You know, even last year when when he was sitting out, and you heard all the talk. You know, during the off season, and, and I mean, he has met. I mean, he has met everything that that, that they have said about him. And um, I'm really impressed with him and, and just kind of the way he plays the game. You know, there isn't a. You know, I'm trying to fit in. It's it's mm. he plays like I already fit in. Right, you know, and and that's that's good to see for a player that that's got that kind of confidence. He is a confident Wants guy. The ball. Another guy that's yeah. very confident out there is Connor McCaffrey. His game has gone to another level. Shooting the ball, okay, but running the team incredibly well. He's taken his game to the other level. The other point guard now on the roster is Joe Toussaint. So that leads me to the construction of this team. I, I think the simplest thing would be go back to two big guys put Creener in the starting lineup, and you're playing two traditionals. But I just love this four-guard lineup so much. I want to see Toussaint get the start and have Creener coming off the bench. What do you think we're going to see from Fran, though, in the construction of that lineup? I, I think a lot of times I think maybe that lineup's going to determine you know, I think more who they're going to play. But I do think I do think you're going to see a lot more minutes out of Joe Toussaint. And that's one of the good things about you know, Jordan Bohannon being there and playing 20, 20, 25 minutes a night. It's allowed Joe Toussaint to kind of ease into the game. You know, you weren't giving him the ball right away and say, okay, here you go. You're going to play 25, 30 minutes a night. You've allowed him to play 15, you know, 15, 20, somewhere around there to get. Now he's used to it. Now he's used to playing. He's shown a lot that, in my mind, I mean, again, talking about a hard nosed kid, this is a hard nosed kid, too. And so I think his minutes are going to rise now. Does he start? I don't know. You know, I mean, that, I, like I said, I think they're, they're going to figure out 
some way to, to get, you know, everybody some additional minutes right now. Uh, I, I, I would think that would probably be the best. If, if you're really committed to doing this four guard thing, I think that's your best option right now is putting him out there and, and letting him do some of the things that he can do because I, he just, he gives them a, a different element that they haven't had in a while. And, and on both ends of the court. And I think that, that he is, his, his minutes are going to rise significantly, I think, with, with Jordan Bohannon out. Uh, switching to football, John Bowenkamp is our guest, Sports Illustrated. You can read The Maven, the, the Iowa site at The Maven. Uh, John, I think, well, I want to get your opinion, obviously, but my takeaway yesterday from the Ferentz presser was, yep, Stone and Epinesa and Wirfs all submitted paperwork to the NFL, the exploratory process. But Alaric Jackson did not. That surprised me. How about you, and what does that mean? You know, I, I, it kind of surprised me, but then again, I mean, he did miss some games early in the season, and I, and, and I know he, that when we have had a chance to talk to him, that he talked about how he wasn't satisfied with his play. He didn't like how he was playing, especially you know, when he first got back from his injury. And, and so it did kind of surprise me a little bit, just because, I mean, I think with offensive linemen, I think you want to go – you know, if you're ready to go, you need to go. You know, just because of the position you play and, and the, the chance of injury, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I was surprised, too, that that, that didn't come up. And, and He hasn't done that. And Like I said, maybe he just feels like, you know, I'm not ready. I, I want to play one more year and see what I could do. And, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't. Just It's one of those things you could file for the feedback. The worst they're going to say is, well, this is what you need to do. You know, there's no, there's no, right. you know, there's no penalty or anything else. Just go ahead and do it. So that kind of surprised me a little bit, but I think he probably figured, look, I need to play another year at least to be in that position to to, to move on. John, a couple of guys most people anticipate moving on will be Tristan Wirfs, AJ Epinesa. There's been some rumblings, a possibility of one or both of those guys coming back for their senior year. How big of a surprise would it be in your mind to see either of them back in a Hawkeye uniform next year? You know. That's a, that's a good question because I, I think they really like it at Iowa, yeah. and I, I think they really like playing there. And I think you know I, I've seen some draft boards that have them ranked you know fairly high, but then when you see the mock drafts, you see them at like you know twenty eight, twenty nine, somewhere like that. And they might figure, you know what, we like it here. Let's let's come back next year and try to do it again. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they do whichever way they go. I really don't because I mean they're they're playing in the bowl game, so that says to me there's still there's still some sort of commitment about being at Iowa. So you know I mean if they were really really itching to leave, they would have they would just said you know what we're done. So I mean I give them credit that that, that I give them that credit that they are going to play in the bowl game and then see what happens. It, it wouldn't surprise me if they both left. Wouldn't surprise me if one of them left. I mean any way they go, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think. Have you done a deep dive yet, John, on on USC and and what the, awaits the Hawkeyes uh, when they get to uh, to San Diego on the twenty seventh, seven o'clock hour time, five o'clock out there for you and the thousands of other Hawkeye fans that will make their way out there. What, if, what, what when you've looked at this USC team? Obviously, they see Slovis and Pittman is an incredible load. He is a he is a beast uh, at the uh, at the wide receiver position. He looks like his old man who was a big big dude, carry uh, running back in the NFL for a long time. Time, but Junior, in his own right, is talented and just as physical. Uh, what What do you see when you see USC? If you've got that far yet, I, you know it's a team that I mean, they, I mean clearly by looking at the numbers, I mean they like to throw the ball and they like to throw the ball a lot. And so I mean I think they're gonna. They're, this will be a, this will be a really good test for Iowa's defense. It'll probably be the toughest one they faced all year in my mind. 
And I, I think they're I think they're equipped for it. The one thing that, that I found interesting yesterday in listening to, to Kirk talk is they really haven't had a lot of time to prepare for USC. And that may become an issue when you know, when you get on game day and if they're throwing the ball around like that, you know, you, you may you may have to be making some in game adjustments. And so I think it, to me, that game is going to be decided really in the first, you know, in the first fifteen twenty minutes because I think USC is going to come out throwing the ball, and I think Iowa has to be ready for that. And that means you know blitzing. That means you know you know doing some things on the back end of the defense. I think that's where they're going to. I think it's just going to be a real test for them. They seem up for it. They seem they seem excited for it. You know, listening to them last week, but I, I think it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenging game for them. You mentioned kind of the the beginning portion of the game and first fifteen twenty minutes in that could be USC too if Iowa comes out and smacks this team in the mouth yep. knowing they're going to have a lame duck coach I could see this USC team absolutely turtling and say boy what's the quickest way we can get back to LA from San Diego yeah it's a really young team too so yeah. you know they've got some young players in in some key spots so yeah if you can if you can smack them around early if you can if you can get one of those patented Iowa ten twelve play drives. That, Take six minutes off the clock or whatever, and, and you and you run it down their throat, and you know, and then you do that a couple of times. Yeah, you might be able to end this one pretty quickly. So again, I think that's why you know for Iowa, I think they've got to get off to a good start on, on uh, especially on offense, just to kind of send a message. And then you know, like you said, they may just say, "Okay, that's it, we're done." Hmm. Speaking of being done, Brandon Smith, I didn't think was going to be done. We thought we'd see him in maybe you know in the Nebraska game, maybe Illinois. But there's no guarantee he's going to be back ready for the 27th, which is, what, two weeks from Friday. Kind of surprised me that uh, it's lingered as long as it has, John. Did you think Farron sounded optimistic he would be able to play? I, you know, it sounded like he's feeling better. But, I mean, I, I think it was it was the Nebraska game where he was out on the field and he tried to do something you could see him pull up. So, you know, you're talking, you know, four weeks after that injury and it's still bothering him. Um, it really didn't surprise me. I mean, this may be something that just, just you just set him, sit him down and say, well, okay, mm-hmm. get ready for the spring because it might be something a little more serious than 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 what you know everybody thought. So I mean, yeah, but yesterday it just didn't sound like it didn't sound. He you know Kirk sounded in, he said he was encouraged, but it didn't sound really positive like you know this is going to happen for us. So um, you know I think they've just got to go with what they've got right now because I mean if you get him great, but if not. You've got what you've got. So, when do you get to San Diego? I actually fly out Christmas Day. Nice. Um, flying out, you know, and uh, I'm still getting the weather forecast. And it's supposed to be in the 60s, which is cool, and it's also supposed to be raining. So, um, <laughs> so I, that'll be. My, I, I'm really hoping that forecast changes before next week. So, gotcha, John. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. you coming on. Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, Safe Flight. We will continue to read you. Sports Illustrated of the Iowa portion of the Maven. Thank you, John. Thank you. Have a good day. You do the same. John Bowencamp joining us as we check in and catch up on the Bohannon News and the Ferentz Presser from yesterday. Signing day tomorrow. And uh, John also mentioned going to be doing some recruiting stuff with the Maven. That's something that they're continuing to push over there. Puts out a lot of great content, not just Iowa football and basketball. It's got the women's side of things, Mm -hmm. wrestling. All stop Hawkeye there with John Bowencamp. Uh, we'll take a time out. Zuba Mahente joins the program next. Trent and I take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. So we take you up until noon. Zuba Mahente going to join the program. In fact, he's with us right now, ESPN Sports Center. He's on a little bit of a vacation before he heads back to work. I'm assuming, Zubin, as always, great to speak with you. Uh, previous years, you've uh, drawn the short straw and have been the face of ESPN on Christmas Day throughout all this NBA stuff. Are you working Christmas Day, Zubin? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I know for sure I'm working Christmas Eve. I know I worked on Thanksgiving, so it's sort of trending in yeah. that direction, I think. <laughs> yeah, indeed it is. Uh, so what do you guys have Christmas Eve? You've got, uh, what, the Hawaii Bowl, right? We do have that. Then we have the NBA quintuple header coming up on, uh, on Christmas Day, which right. includes Lakers, Clippers, and you would think that would include Anthony Davis, LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi. Hopefully no load management there. Hopefully mm. everybody will be ready to go. So that'll be exciting. For most people, it tends to be the unofficial kickoff uh, of the NBA season, even though they've been going mm-hmm. for about a couple months at that point. You know, that's one of the key phrases. We look back to 2019. Load management, I don't think, was a thing uh, prior to uh, to Kawhi and the load management that the Raptors afforded him and the payoff that they received for doing so. Load management is a thing. Uh, we'll look back to 2019, maybe, when it became a thing, or was it there before and I missed it? You know, I would say it was there before, but only one team was employing, and that was the San Antonio Spurs. And Greg Popovich would have some fun with it. He would even put, instead of DNPCD, which is did not play coach's decision, sometimes uh, Tim Duncan would show up as DNP old. You know, (laughs) (laughs) we're not playing guys anymore. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, the end justified the means. Kawhi load managed for 22 games last year. And they, as you know, they won the NBA championship for your Raptors, so people can say whatever they want about it. For them, it worked. Getting down to the final couple of weeks uh, before we get back into the NBA of the NFL, Zubin. So many different directions, certainly, to go. But the last Monday nighter of the year coming up in six days, an important one for us here, the Vikings and the Packers. We were talking a little bit earlier. Green Bay currently the number 2 seed in the NFC Watched a lot of them, certainly on Sunday against my Bears. Watched them throughout the season, and I'm not overly impressed. They certainly don't feel like the second-best team in the NFC, and a big portion of that for me is Aaron Rodgers, who has seemed to take a step back. Your vantage point as you look at Green Bay. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I know at the beginning of the season, Aaron had said himself, and this is not you know anybody in the media, because obviously, you know, I think it's fair to say he's had a couple of down years here, but... Aaron has said at the beginning of the season, if I only win one Super Bowl, I'm putting the words only in quotes here, but this is himself saying this, that he would consider that to be a not satisfactory career, which is pretty amazing to think. It would be a downer if he would only win one Super Bowl. So that's coming straight from him. I do think they've allayed a lot of fears in the sense of, you know, they didn't even participate pretty much doing anything in the preseason with him and LaFleur. And a lot of people were wondering, how is that going to work? How is that going to connect? But at the end of the day, here we are thinking Mike McCarthy would probably get one head coaching job. Mm -hmm. Didn't get anything. Got shut out. So clearly for everybody that thought maybe Rodgers is down and statistically, you know, he hasn't had a lot of help at the wide receiver position. His top targets have been hurt for a good portion of the season. Um, Not to take anything away. But you look at it and say, if this is a situation of stubbornness between McCarthy and Rodgers, clearly A-Rod is in the league, going to be in the league for a while. 
But I think it is telling that none of the other 31 teams, not that there were 31 openings, but for a guy that has won a Super Bowl and a lot of people thought would be right back in the league. I mean, think about where we are with Ron Rivera right now. Mm. It's a state of complete. Somebody is going to hire Ron Rivera. But you just wonder if Ron Rivera is going to turn into the Mike McCarthy of this year, which is to say, you know, uh, appeared in a Super Bowl. Obviously, Ron wasn't able to win one. Mike did. Thankfully. Uh, you should be able to get right <laughs> for your Broncos in Super Bowl 50. You'll be able to get right back into the league. Mike wasn't able to do it. We'll see if Ron is able to do it. But I do think there's something telling about the fact that there's a guy that's won a Super Bowl out there that can't get a job. And Zach Taylor is the head coach of a one-win Cincinnati Bengals team. So I think there is a lot of that out there. But I agree with you. He does not look like the same guy. Although I would say the penultimate Monday night game of the year, uh, Drew Brees did look like Mm. (laughs) Yeah, that was unbelievable. So what's the biggest uh, positive, or either either side, what's the biggest surprise in the NFL to you? There's still two weeks to play. Um, look, there was a lot of Cleveland love before the season, and clearly they're not the team. San Francisco snuck up on some people. George Kittle's emergence. Saw him last year, but I don't think anybody thought that there was another big step forward uh, that we've seen out of him. For you, what's the biggest story in the NFL this year? Probably Lamar. It's just it's yeah. hard to wrap your arms around what he's done. They've got a franchise record winning streak at this point. They have a chance to avenge one of their two losses this weekend when they take on the Browns. Um, you know, the fact that the AFC is probably going to run through Baltimore, although I am still, even though Lamar is getting a ton of praise, he's going to be a runaway MVP. He was the fourth of the four quarterbacks selected right Crazy. now. Do you want a mulligan? you want Sam Darnold? Do you want Lamar Jackson? But I think it's one of the... Hell, do you want Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson? <laughs> Yeah, and if Josh Rosen is still in the league, it's right. what I think. But, <laughs> but I think it's one of those things where I would say, even though I think Lamar, that story is, has really been unbelievable, and probably the coup de grace for Ozzie Newsom, who just had an unbelievable career mm-hmm. both as a player and an executive, and that's kind of like the, the last one out the door for him, which is amazing. I'm still looking forward to seeing how the Chiefs look at full throttle, because early in the season's early in the season, but after Mahomes had the knee dislocation, and then hitting the hand on the helmet. Um, You know, with four losses, it's probably not going to roll through Kansas City. I think we mentioned it'll roll through Baltimore. But I'm more intrigued to see how the Chiefs look when fully healthy at this point in the season. I think we kind of know what happened in the past after the 8-0 start, and we've referenced the Ravens. But getting lost in all this is a getting healthy Kansas City with a full-scale Kelsey and are ready to go Mahomes. So I think that would probably be the most interesting thing for me to follow from this point forward, because I, for whatever reason, I don't think they're getting the same amount of attention. Obviously, he's not going to throw 50 touchdown passes this year. Lamar is my choice, but I'm very intrigued by a healthy KC. So the Saints, of course, a dominating performance out of them last night, and then they've uh, added to their defensive backfield Janoris Jenkins after putting out a tweet doubling down on the tweet then, he gets released by the Giants here. It, it almost, Janoris Jenkins, talented guy, the rich getting richer here, and the Saints trying to do a little bit more to help out that defensive backfield. These NFC playoffs are going to be incredible. No question. This is the second time they've taken advantage of a Giants miscue. They also Apple. picked up Eli Apple. Yeah, yeah. And he's actually turned out to be yep. a pretty good player. Yes. But the Saints kind of got lost in New York, and New York's kind of been a, a train wreck. The one thing when I watched last night's team, I couldn't help but think, and, and you know, you know, you just never know how things are going to go and how little things end up being so big. 
And I look at it and say, you know, there's a lifelong debate whether Brady is better, you know, because of Belichick or is Belichick better because of Brady? You know, did Brady make Belichick? Did Belichick make Brady? But I think last night, I don't think that Sean Payton made Drew Brees. I think he remade Drew Brees. Mm. And I think that's one thing that, you know, look, six Super Bowl titles versus one, you know, it's a little bit different. It's hard to put them in concert with each other. But I think if you ask Drew Brees when all is said and done, I think he'll have a kinship with Sean Payton that very few coaches have with their QBs. You think about the fact that Nick Saban could have had Dante Culpepper or Drew Brees and he chose Dante Culpepper. I mean, where does Alabama go from there? Where do the Saints go from there? Where do the Dolphins go from there on that decision alone? Or the notion that Phillip Rivers was brought in to replace Drew Brees and Drew Brees is probably going to outlast him mm-hmm. and probably going to outlast him by a good margin if this indeed is the final two games of Philip Rivers' career, because I think Brees is going to keep this going at least for another two, three, who knows? I mean, with the way that he keeps himself in shape, with the completion percentage, the quick getting out of the ball. So we'll see. Uh, it's just amazing to think where Drew Brees was at one point in his career and where he is right now. The odds would have said after that injury, I think Ken suffered against the Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yes. When he was with, yep. Yeah, when he was in San Diego. The fact that he would be up there statistically with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, especially the touchdown mark yesterday, um, the odds on that would have been incredible. But there he is. He's right there. You know, was it John Lynch that knocked him out of that game? Mm. It might have been. I don't recall. I remember yeah. the play. It yeah. was against John Denver. Lynch, I think, yeah, Gerard Warren, I think, collided with him in the back of the end zone there, if that if memory serves. and. You know, at that point, he was damaged good. Yep. Damaged good. And he's obviously turned out to be one of the most prolific players in league history. Yeah, he gets overshadowed by Brady and gets overshadowed by Rodgers. And some of his peers in that, uh, you know, in, in his age bracket, for whatever reason, he gets a little bit overshadowed. And yet he's going to paint Manning and he's going to be the guy that has all the records. So, but let's switch to, uh, to the college game. I'm anxious to find out from you. We're still a couple of years away. I think most agree with that from any expansion of this playoff, whether it happens or not. I mean, the money that there's going to be out there apparently I think is going to be too much to turn down at some point. Um, but what, inside the building, inside the campus, when you're with the college football crew and you're talking, you know, in the break room or whatever, getting ready to come back from, you know, go on when the red light comes on, you guys are still, you know, you talk. Do they want to expand? What's the kind of the consensus amongst the college football analysts that ESPN employs that make their way to Bristol? Do they want expansion or are they happy? What's the consensus? I'll give you a good stat that I was actually pretty surprised to hear. I, I was really surprised by this. So we have a we have a lady named Heather Dinnett. She's our college She's really good. Playoff. She's great. She's great. And I worked with her for a long time. She started working with us with the ACC and then um, kind of morphed into this role where she's the playoff insider. And to your point, you know, they right now, currently, the playoff scheduled to be four teams through the completion of the 2026 season in a deal between the college football playoffs uh, and ESPN. But we had Heather on after the field was unveiled. And she said that she spoke to, I want to say, like maybe 62 uh, coaches. So maybe about half the Power Five, uh, well, I guess half of FBS, let's call it half of FBS. She spoke about 62 coaches, and she said there was actually more support, listen to this, for a 16 playoff, but just among the coaches. And a 16 playoff would obviously, obviously necessitate some sort of buys for the mm-hmm. first two teams, and then the, you know, the remaining four would play, and then they'd play teams one 
and two. So while everybody is jumping to either staying at four or going to eight, like you said, because of the cash involved, the coaches, I don't know what kind of say they have. I think they would probably be bypassed by TV executives and the CFP with money at the end of the day. The coaches were more in line with six teams, which is doable. A buy certainly would be something that would be required, but also maybe deserved, mm-hmm. considering it is probably tough to go undefeated with LSU's record. Let's just you know use that as an example this year. And they should be given some sort of qualifier for running through America's best division and conference. Perfect. Uh, but that's the impetus from our end, just from the coaches, Eight would obviously behoove them because two extra coaches get in, more incentives, all that sort of stuff. Um, But many of them seem more attuned to six if there was any expansion. Interesting. Yeah, the six number, I get it. That's what we get in the NFL with each of the conferences. So when would they do it, boys, time-wise? Would would Army-Navy then have to share the spotlight Mm. with those two games, Zubin? Because I would think they would have to be played last weekend as opposed to this weekend, correct? Correct. I think they would extend the season by one week moving forward. And obviously you have to think about the aspect of, if I'm not mistaken, it was not that long ago where uh, I believe it was Navy was actually in line for a group of five bid, in which case they would have to think about putting that Mm -hmm. Army-Navy game in and then figuring out how it would affect everything on a selection day Sunday in the rare instance that, let's say, a service academy or somebody that would be playing on that day would have an opportunity to go New Year's Six because obviously Navy does participate there in the AAC while Army is independent. So that would obviously have to be taken into consideration, considering there could be the off chance, and we've seen it in years past, that one of those two teams could be competing for a New Year's Six. But I think the answer would just be could move the season and just have this year, I believe the championship game is rather late. The championship game, if I'm not mistaken, is January 13th. It is, yes. It seems a little bit late. So they probably have to push everything back just another week, but that's probably how it would work, but uh, obviously the you know the committee is pretty staunch that uh, check back with us after the 2026 playoff where we're standing pat. Zubin, I got something to get you pumped up as you're on vacation. You ready? Go ahead. Your alma mater, Greg Schiano, pumping up the crowd at the rack Saturday in the battle for Jersey as they dominated Seton Hall in that game. Schiano, together, Zubin, you're going to be number one. (laughs) Well, we did get to number seven, which doesn't sound as great as number one. Together, we will be number seven in the 2006 season. But I will say this, uh, you know, that was actually at the game against Seton Hall, which mm-hmm. is like a big New Jersey rivalry game. In fact, that was Rutgers' biggest home crowd in any game since 2002. Mm-hmm. Rutgers jumped out to a 14 nothing lead. Now, Seton Hall is obviously a little bit undermanned. I know you guys yeah. yep. have kind of seen Seton Hall a couple different times, holiday tournaments, et cetera, for the Iowa State fans especially. But it's a shot in the arm for the university. And as I've said before, um, this is probably the only coach – that had a stand revolt, keep him out of a job, and a stand revolt, get him a job. I think we said that a couple weeks ago. But it's great because I think at this particular point, one more bad hire, and this thing could be in the abyss for a long time. Eight years, $32 million is a lot of money, but he's asking for things that a lot of other regular schools in the conference have, like football-only facilities and things of that nature. So, We'll see. He's doing a lot of great work. The signing day is coming up here. He's flipped a lot of great players. But as usual, the key will be keeping some of New Jersey's talent at home. 
And he's been able to do that. You got to remember he's 68 and 67, which makes him Rutgers all-time winning as coach, which sounds a little sad considering they won the first game ever played and they put 68 wins is the greatest amount for any coach. Um, but they did go to a bowl in six of his last seven seasons. They did have an 11-win season. And those things right now seem so far from reality that if there's one guy on planet Earth of the six billion of us that are walking around that has actually can say, I have done it at this particular type of school, it's him. And I think they had no choice but to bring him back. Yeah, they, they did the right thing, Zubin. I couldn't agree with you more. Last thing for me, Zubin, and unless Trent has something, we'll let you get back to your vacation. We're sure grateful that you've taken time out from that to, here to join us. It seems to me as we switch to college basketball, Zubin, that in the middle of the month of December, normally we've got some unbeaten basketball teams, right? We've got a, you know, in the top 10, we've got a couple of teams that are still uh, unbeaten. That's not the case so far this year. I see Auburn's 9-0, and but nobody thinks Auburn's going to stick around. They're a nice team, don't get me wrong. But... San Diego State who beat the Hawks, and the other two, Duquesne and Liberty. Yeah. That's all that's left. Four. So there's no Kansas, there's no Duke, there's no Kentucky. That's my point, Zubin. None of the Blue Bloods still have that zero uh, beside their name, which seems to be rare. Yeah, I think our guys had some stat the other day that I think this is the first time we've had five different teams before New Year's Day ever in the history of the poll. They've been doing the poll since 1949, and obviously now with this move on Monday with KU, this will be the fifth different team at number one before this 1st of January. I think that's notable. I think the one thing a lot of us are bracing for that love the game, and, you know, for a lot of us that love the game, we're still waiting for football to be over. But I think one thing that I've, I've gleaned from talking to our folks is you know, the breakout player of the year so far this season, all things considered, and I'm sure you guys have seen him, but, you know, the casual fan has probably never heard of this guy, Obi Toppin of Dayton. Mm-hmm. Great player. He's awesome. And once conference play begins, you know, we're never going to see him. You might yep. see him on Center for 30 seconds. Anthony Edwards of Georgia, same thing. The guy's going to be in the NBA. But once conference season starts, he plays for a middling Georgia team. We love our guy, Crean. But he's not going to show up on Sports Center unless he goes off for a crazy stat line. And that's the biggest thing we're concerned about. You're right. Some of the Blue Bloods are down. They don't have a zero in the loss column. But when you look at the first couple of months of the season and you see the breakout performance, whether it's Toppin or Edwards or some of these other guys, they are just going to dilute themselves right into the background. And Maybe we hear their name during Champ Week, and then the next time you hear their name is probably going to be in the tournament. And then you'll maybe hear him at the draft combine. But it's really a shame that some of the great players that have busted out and made their name because they went head-to-head with Doak in Kansas, these types of players are now going to recede into the background. The sport's got to figure out a way to do something about it. Like you said, all the attention will be on the teams you just mentioned and where's Cole Anthony. And you're wondering where's mm-hmm. Cole Anthony because he's hurt. But the real question to me is where's Toppin? What's he doing? Where are these other studs? That once conference play begins, you're not going to see him on ESPN. You maybe see him on ESPN, too. And it's really a shame because these guys are super talented players, but the sport is sort of dictated that if you don't play for, as you said, Candace, a blue blood here once the calendar turns, you could have an epic season, and we may never hear from you again. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you. Uh, we're off the next two Tuesdays, so if we can't work something out that we can get you right after Christmas, uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. I'll be watching you on the 24th Hawaii BYU, the Hawaii Bowl. We'll see you at halftime, uh, if nothing else. Uh, thank you for what you do for us, Zubin. We really appreciate it.
You got it. Take care. Good to talk to you. Zuba Mahente from ESPN. Back to wrap up the program on a Tuesday. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon putting a cap on things here on a Tuesday. So, Ken. Yes. Well, Aerosmith uh, bringing us back. You an Aerosmith fan? Yep. Yep. My mom, one of her favorites is Aerosmith. So they're in Vegas. Yes. Terrific song. They were in Vegas for the Iowa basketball tournament. Oh, were they? Yeah. And uh, over Thanksgiving. And they've got a, what do they call it? A standing? No, that's not it. They're in, there's a word. So they can only get tickets, though, for Sunday night. So that meant extending their Vegas stay. Mm -hmm. They got their... Thursday all the way through Monday. So we'll and where are they? Caesars? Well, that doesn't sound right. They, well, they drank a lot, they said, at the Orleans, because that's where the tournament was, and it was a lot cheaper there compared yeah. to some of the other properties that's that true. were there. But they got tickets, and she Residence, said... that's the term I'm looking for. Incredible. Was it? Yes. I like Earl Smith. She said, you need to go. Need to do that one. If they're still playing, next time I make my way out there... Two enthusiastic thumbs up from Condon's mom there on Aerosmith. <laughs> uh, Aerosmith, Las Vegas. I want to see where they are. Because they, they've got a residence. They're there for a while. The Park Theater. Is the park the old MGM? I mean, Monte Carlo? Do I you don't know. know. You're uh, better at that stuff than I Well, the I names am. have changed on, on the strip, some of them. Anyways, yeah, they're, uh, they're going to be there for a while. Um Yes, I'll take him up on that because I would like to see that show. All right, speaking of seeing shows, Trent, there's, I mean, college hoops is light. It is. Maybe Oklahoma Creighton at 730 just because I haven't seen Oklahoma and we'll see them a couple of times here coming up against the clones. Creighton we never discuss, hardly. No. Wonder what, is it just the Big East? Yeah, Yeah, it's the conference, I think. I think so. Doesn't resonate. Yeah, I mean, 110 miles away, you would mm-hmm. think that they would, but they just don't. And they've uh, had good teams. Yes. It hasn't been that. Right. I mean, Doug McDermott's career was pretty Georgetown special. Georgetown and Providence come in. Yeah. No, I'm going I'm to maybe watch that, but you know, I think I'm going to find my Jets. Because okay. it's been a long time since nothing has come up against them where i got to watch that. Give and... me a 30-second recap of what's happening in hockey, because I haven't seen one iota. Well, there's a big game in the Central last night, and the Blues beat Colorado, and I'm on Colorado to win it all. That's okay. a young team that is so skilled, and they're not going anywhere, sadly, uh, for the next couple of years. But the defending champs took them out. Uh, the Wild are playing a lot better. Minnesota's playing a lot seen better. A little of that, yep. Uh, the Blackhawks stink. It's going to be um, it's there. They're going through their rebuild right now. Washington's still Washington. Capitals really good, yeah. Yeah, they're still really good. I'm not sure about Vegas. I don't think they're as good as some thought. Uh, yeah, Washington's the team to beat in the East, I would say. But you're back in with your Jets. Oh, I'm all in. Yes, I am. I'll always be all in with those boys, Trent. One year before before I cash them in, I, there's got to be a parade in downtown Winnipeg. That would just cap it all. I'd be, I'd be ready to go, take me now. I'm good. <laughs> it's like Sanford and Son. Yes, that's all I want. I'm coming home. Yep.
The Broncos could lose every single game from from now until like, I I don't care. There's one that I want. That's the Jets. That would be the one. Yep. That Not the New York the, ones. No, the Winnipeg ones. Although last Thursday was a rarity. Both Jets teams went down in flames on national TV. Uh, but uh, anyways, yeah. So it's kind of a weird night tonight. So not a lot. Boy, I miss Iowa and Iowa State when they take this week off, right? And even Drake, they have a game since they're a private institution. Yeah, but don't it's have, not on TV. And it's it's Mount Marty. It's not even a yeah. team that a D one team. So it just. Ken, I've never heard offense. of Mount Marty before. No, I'll be no, honest with you. Not at all. NBA. Yeah, no. no. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> Still got a few days before you get into that. <laughs> Lakers are on early. Wonder if that's a national NBA TV at the Pacers, 6 o'clock. Mm. No. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Sun Clippers Day. late? Yeah. Nope. I'm out. No. I got to find something to bet on. Well, fine. There's a, there's a, I mean, a decent, there's a lot of college games. They're just not college games that normally move the needle, right? Did you, now what did you take yesterday? You, you took Indianapolis, didn't you? Didn't you take the points? I did. Oh, my Mr. God. Mr. Monday Night is you, awful. You can't save a 500 season. No, it's over. Jesus. Mr. Monday Night will be back in 2020, though. Yes, he will. And we'll be back tomorrow. But before that, we've got more local programming. Murph and Andy, in fact, they're coming up at 2. If that's not enough, the Fanatics will be here at 4. And then tomorrow morning, we'll start it all over again with the morning rush at 6. Thank you for being here with us. We're Miller and Condon, 10 to noon on 1460.